It's good to have Mats Dernand on The Antidote for a talk. Mats, thanks for coming. Thank you. Nice to be here, David. Well, I have to tell you that I really don't know very much about Sweden, and I know nothing about Eurobrew. Can you tell yeah. us about it? Yeah. Um, well, Sweden is a country in the northern part of, of Europe. Uh, we got like uh, 10 million inhabitants, and our seasons are very different. You know, now it's, look outside, uh, we got some snow, and in the summer I can go swimming in a sea or a lake. Uh, so that's uh, very typical for Sweden. You know, in my, my hometown, it's called Örebro, and we have like 150,000 people here. And I met a few Canadians, and uh, when I asked them, what, what's the difference between, you know, Canada and Sweden? And they say, well, you know, it's pretty similar. I think it is. That, that's what people from Canada tell me. Of course, there's differences, but, but, but it's pretty much the same. The guy that helped me do the video for um, She's Called Grace, he's living in Canada now, and he says the same. Uh, another thing is that we have a strong economy for a long time, often rank in the top in various lists of, you know, living standards and, and stuff. And there's also one word, lagom, that is hard to translate to English, maybe just enough or moderate, something like that. And Swedes often think about themselves as lagom, you know, not sticking out too much, maybe a bit boring. <laughs> but the fact the, the fact is that Sweden is an extreme country in many ways. Uh, scientists consider Sweden is a very modern society, the most secular country in the world, actually. Well, that brings up an interesting point, because most of the Christian music industry is based in the United States. Yeah. With you being in Sweden, does that make you the odd man out? Uh, I don't know. First of all, the music industry in, in, in Sweden overall is very strong. You know, we're starting with bands like, like ABBA and then Roxette and Europe and Avicii now in the latest years. But especially songwriters, you know, highly sought after in the world. Many of the biggest hits from like Britney Spears and Pink and Backstreet Boys and, and Sync and bands like this are, are written by Swedes. There's one guy, uh, Max Martin, he's a songwriter and producer. He, he had 17 billboard number one hits and there are many others so um, the swedish music industry is very strong but the christian music industry is um, very much another story i think um though there was a grammy winning song a few years ago Ten Thousand reasons was written by a swede jonas murin and he's actually from my hometown isn't that cool yeah it is then, with there being a very limited Christian music scene in Sweden, does it make it difficult then to promote your music? Yeah, you could say that. In Sweden, nearly everything about Christian music nowadays is, is praise, actually. Like in the 80s, we had a strong music scene with many bands and many concerts and, and good record sales. Not so recognized, you know, outside the church. There was one band, though, Jerusalem. Oh, uh, yes, uh, Jerusalem, yeah, sure. They, yeah, yeah, and they were so popular that the television, um, at a few occasions, you know, said, okay, we can't ignore them. Let's give them some air time. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but now it's the music scene is within the church for Christian musicians. 
most of the music produced and listened to is praise. And that's not really what I do. When I bought this uh, software, and my first song was The Strength of Gentleness. And my next song was, and I, I put it out on Spotify. I almost didn't tell anyone. But then I made Solid Ground, and I thought to myself, it's okay. It's almost pretty good. Maybe I should send it to the local radio. Not Christian, you know, the regular mainstream local radio in my hometown. No, you wouldn't do that. Why not? You know, I was talking to myself almost. It's embarrassing. No, it isn't, you know. And then I sent it away. You know, after two days, I got an email from from one of the, the hosts saying, well, this is great. Come to the studio. And they, he interviewed me. And then he started to play this song. And last year, I think it was the most played song by a local artist on the radio. That's great. It was on for, I think, 40, 40 weeks, almost a whole year. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's great. You've mentioned here about Jerusalem. That was from decades ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. But this also fits a bit with you because a few of the songs on tonight's show you created decades ago. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Some artists are almost embarrassed by their early work. How do you feel about them now? Well, uh, you know, I have a few songs that I produced in the 90s. And you can hear that, of course. And maybe the sound is a bit old, dated, maybe. But I still like the songs. So I have no problem with that. One of those older songs is Sail Away. It speaks about freedom being a state of mind. Obviously, some people would disagree with that, saying that freedom is physical and it's tangible. That freedom can yeah. be different also depending on the society you live in. What's your ideal concept of freedom? Uh, yeah, of course, you can look at freedom from different angles. And, uh, you know, I wrote it from my angle. And um, when I wrote it, my life was under much stress. And I felt very tied up. And I literally, I was longing for just drifting away on a sailboat or a raft or something like that. Then I kind of realized that without peace in my heart, that would just be some kind of, you know, getaway. And I also thought that security and freedom are not opposites. They are very conditions for, for each other. You need both. And the only place where I could find total freedom and total security is together with God. So that's always the intention of the music that you're creating, to honor God? The most of it. Anyway, I couldn't say that every song is about God. Almost every song is. I write about stuff to, that I think about and I am concerned about that I have in my heart. But I think that I got some kind of gift. I'm not saying it's it's greater than than some other guy's gift, but still I I, I have the music and and I should use it. And I think when we use the the gifts that we have received, I think, uh, I think God is happy about it. I'm always impressed with artists who bring multiple music styles to their music. You do that. You go from pop to big orchestral songs to the soul vibe on the strength of gentleness. 
why not stick yeah. to just one music style? Yeah, maybe I should do that. I, I don't know. It's, it's more like I write a song and I try to give it the best clothes I can get uh, and clothes that fits with the song. It's like with every new song I write, it's a new genre. And I think I maybe have to stop with that. But <laughs> it's fun at the same time. Recent songs, I, I think there are some elements or something that still bring some kind of identity. I don't know. But it, it's true. Uh, there are many songs are are very different. Your songs aren't all happy like the song Winter in a Love Affair, it's emotional. Was it difficult for you to write and perform? Uh, no, I don't think it was so difficult, actually. Uh, you, know, well, you know, the cliche, you know, you know, it was a tough time, but gave me a couple of good songs like that. <laughs> but it was, it was like that. Now I'm happily married since 25 years, but I've been married before. And when I wrote this song, making a long story short, my former wife went to study in another city and she never came back. That's what the song is about. Depends on how you look at it, but it was, it was hard and it was easy. The songs we've just been speaking about, you recorded in the 90s. And yeah, here's right? something I really don't get that you've only now gotten back to recording music. So what happened to those decades in between? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I didn't stop writing songs and I didn't stop playing music. I, I play keyboard and, and uh, harmonica and mostly. So I continue with that. But those first songs in the 90s, I went to music studio and then for about at least 10 years, I was saying, well, I'm going to get some, some software and I'm going to record my songs now. But I didn't do that. Uh, maybe I was a bit, you know, afraid of too much technique and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, when you get kids, which we have, two kids, they're about to grow up now. They are 17 and 19. And when that happened, it creates space in your life again. When I started to record my songs again, that was three years ago. Uh, and, and it's, you know, following a, an old dream, I guess. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited about that, that I'm back on track and um, I'm uh, recording them. And, and it's now easy to, you know, publish them on, on Spotify or other platforms. Well, now I need to find out. Kids can be a parent's worst critic. What do your kids think about your music? Uh, well, <laughs> surprisingly, they, they think it's quite all right, actually. I think they, they're, they're not embarrassed. And, you know, my, my youngest son, he, he listened to a lot of music. He has his, uh, you know, playlists on Spotify. And I think one or two songs that I made are on those lists. You've won over one of the worst music critics, and that is my wife. <laughs> That's good news. <laughs> yeah. And you also had success with that song that grabbed her attention, the song called She's Called Grace. It really did well because it grabbed an honorable mention at the USA Songwriting Competition. Yeah. And that's a major event. Yeah. For me, it's the premise of the song that's so outstanding because in it, 
you personified the whole idea of grace. I mean, that's a wild idea. Yeah. How did you come up with it? Well, it started with, I had a chat with a woman on a Facebook that, that don't believe in God. And she said, you Christians, it's easy for you. You can do whatever you want. And then you ask for forgiveness. Uh, and then you get it. You know, it's very convenient. And I tried to explain to her that, you know, it's not that easy because you had to admit to yourself and to the God you believe in that, okay, now this happened again. I was yelling at my kids again or whatever. And that's not for free. I don't know how well I succeed in explaining the concept of, of grace to her. But afterwards, what I thought, I should write a song about grace. And at first I thought it should be called, it's called grace. And I should explain the concept of grace. But then it hit me that grace is also a name. And what should happen if I named a song, she's called grace? What would happen then? Then something happened because it's like, you know, that the God's grace is new every morning. And it's like grace comes home and visits you and whispers in your ear while, while you're still asleep. It's okay. I forgive you. Good luck. And sometimes now when I, I sing the song, it, it brings tears to my eyes because it's... Uh, it's so beautiful. Tell us about that songwriting competition. Like, what was involved with entering? And was being involved actually important to you as an artist? No, it wasn't, it wasn't important at all. I, I just saw some ads on Facebook. And I ignored them at first. But then I, you know, I read about it and I thought, why not? I could send in a song. Why not? Uh, and then I forgot about it. And then... A few weeks ago, I received an, an email from the competition saying, now, okay, now we got the finalists. Have a look. And I thought, oh, well, I didn't go to the final. And I check, checked it out, and I wasn't. I couldn't find my name. So I forgot it again. And then I received another email saying, um, oh, well, uh, who is the writer and co-writer of, of this song? She's called Grace. And I said, well, well that's only me. <laughs> but why? Why? <laughs> because you're in the final. Congratulations. And then I checked it out again, and I saw my song in the final in the pop category. I thought I had, you know, participate in the gospel um, Christian category, but it was in the pop. Uh, so I wrote back and said, uh, did you move my song? For instance, how many participants are there in, in the competition? And they, they answer, well, um, seems like you have entered the, the pop category, and there are 48,000 people in this competition. <laughs> <laughs> what? 48,000? You know, I, I thought maybe 4,000. I, I didn't know much about the competition. So that was amazing. And then after a while, a friend told, uh, well, I, I, I like you much more than this Gino Vanelli. Gino Vanelli? And then I saw he was also in the final in the pop category. And then he won this category and the whole competition. Uh, but I got an uh, honorable mention award. 
So, uh, and there were only two pop songs in that who got that. So I could say I'm shared the second place. So that's uh, that. That's nice. That's very well done, especially considering somebody of Gina Vanelli's caliber. I mean, he's huge in yeah, Canada. Yeah. Until now, all the songs we've been speaking about were sung in English. Yeah. But you've also recorded a few in Swedish, like one whose title translates as Without You. So now I'm language impaired. Can you explain the song? Yeah. Uh, Well, it's about without Jesus, I'm nothing. Might look all right from the outside, but without Jesus, it's, it's vanity. It's pointless. If I had, say, a world hit with one of my songs, and, and it made me rich and famous, but I lost my faith in the same time. You know, poverty, it's pointless, everything. And the refrain goes, it's like a statement and a shout out, I'm lost without you. So that's the refrain, I'm lost without you. And that's, that's how it is. I would have thought that it would be easier for you to write songs in Swedish. Is writing in English easy for you? Well, maybe you should judge about that. Um, But it's both ways, I guess. Writing in another language can be the easy way out. Uh, If I write a song in English and sing it to the Swedish audience, I can easily get away with bad lyrics. (laughs) Of course, I'm much better in, uh, in Swedish than in English. And I used to consult one or two of my American friends before I finish English lyrics. And sometimes they say, "Um, sorry, Matt, if you say this, people will think this. I don't think that's what you want. It's nice that they're giving you that bit of a help. Yeah, it's, I really need that because it's not my language. And uh, it, it could be anything from grammatics to, you know, the value of a word or what you think about when you use an expression. And that might not be what I intended. You know, I found it interesting that you once described yourself as an unknown and unsigned songwriter. Yeah. So, Matt, I want to hear about your motivation for making music. Meaning to say that this isn't all about fame and fortune? No, 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 it isn't. Uh, I, I think it's something very human to wanting to express yourself. Perhaps making some kind of impression before you die. And it's also my way of sorting out things, that my feelings and my thoughts... So if, if something is, is difficult uh, to cope with or understand, I might write a song about it. And I don't think I'm that unique either. If there's something I struggle with, I'm certain that, that others do as well. Sometimes somebody tells me or write to me saying they listen to a song and, and it helped them through hard times. Um, and one woman I spoke to, she said, like, I listened to this, she's called Grace, and it helped me understanding the, the grace of God in a new way. And, you know, that's all motivating I, I could ever need. Judas is going to be the latest song for Mastronad, and it's releasing January 16th. It's very different from She's Called Grace. 
you had told me that Judas is almost as famous as Christ, but obviously for the wrong reasons. It's interesting that you tie Judas and ourselves together when the song says, we share the conditions, the same dispositions, the ongoing fight for our hearts. So are you really saying that we are the same as Judas? Um, To some extent, we are. Like, Judas really let Jesus down. He really did. And you can wonder why he did it and, and his reasons, and that's what I did. So I wrote the song about it. And, you know, I don't know the answer, but I think it's interesting to think about. But, you know, I do the same. I'm also letting people down. Maybe I, I let Jesus down from time to time. And I will let my kids down and my friends and my wife sometimes. For Judas, it's had a huge impact, of course. But we share these conditions that we, that we make mistakes because we're human. And that's why we need grace. I've always been fascinated about the drama when Jesus is betrayed. It's like a thriller, you know, and he says to Judas, you can go now, and everything happens. And the music is almost like those TV criminals, uh, pro, what, do you, what do you call them? Like Beretta and Kojak and those oh, guys. Right. <laughs> in the, the 70s. Yeah, private detectives in the 70s. So the music is almost sounding like that. And that's why uh, it's because I, it's the drama, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a two-part question for you. How can listeners of The Antidote find your music? And what's next in store for Matt Stunand? Yeah, if, if they want to listen to my music, they could go to Spotify or Apple Music or some other platform. Uh, just type my name, Mastanand, or maybe one of my songs, like She's Called Grace. Um, and what's up for me now is, you know, uh, releasing Judas, because this will be the first time that it's out on your show, Dave. Thank you. Yeah. And then I'll have some, I uh, like to get out to play, uh, have some gigs coming up. Maybe some uh, television gig, Christian Channel in Sweden, and place around my hometown. Uh, and then, well, then I, I, uh, I think I'll write new songs. That's about it, I guess. Matt, thanks for this talk, and thanks for coming to share your music on The Antidote. Thank you very much, Dave. My pleasure.